0: And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com bluewire. That's harrys.com bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Links and Locks Podcast. podcast. podcast.
1: Better than most. Better than most.
0: Better than most! Winner, winner, chicken dinner!
2: Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates. You're listening to the Links and Locks Arnold Palmer Invitational Preview. It's another designated event this week on the PGA Tour there at Bay Hill, and it's going to be an incredible week with 44 of the top 50 players in the world John Rahm is back after winning his third tournament in his last six starts. It's a star-studded field. Once again, we're not quite sure how we want to bet this tournament with tee times just coming out and the wins expected to pick up on Friday, which mean there might not be as much value now as there will be later. We'll get into why we want to bet some things now, why we want to bet some things later, and get into a course history, a course preview as well. And then we'll get through the rest of our cards this week. I'm um, Roberto Arguello, your host of the Links and Locks betting podcast presented by Bet365. As always, I'm joined here by Nick Brettwish, that's at SticksPicks on Twitter, and I'm also joined by Spencer Aguiar, that's at T-Off Sports on Twitter. Welcome in, guys, and Spencer, what's your, fir- what's your first best bet for this week?
3: I feel like saying best bet for any of these tournaments just becomes a struggle to try to figure out how many wagers we can find here, but... um I'm going to go back to the head-to-head market. 8-0 on the year from a pre-tournament perspective there. So we're going to try to keep that going. I'm going to say Adam Scott minus 110 over Wyndham Clark.
2: All right.
1: Adam Scott over Wyndham Clark. How about you, Nick? I'm going to echo Spencer's lack of enthusiasm for <laughs> betting right now. But number grab for me, I had Victor Hovland at 24-1. to And there's plenty of 30, 31s 30 out there. So I'm going to go Victor Hovland to win. 31 to 1 and buy into that narrative that he had to have a top five finish in this event the prior year to win it the next year. He nearly won it last year. I believe he had that 54 hole lead. And we know he's elite with
2: the irons, which travels everywhere. I'm gonna go with Hideki Matsuyama. I got it at 42nd or better on bet 365 at minus 120, but it's now at 39 or better. And I still love Hideki. I'm all over him this week. So I'm gonna back the former Masters champion. Spencer, why do you like Adam Scott over Wyndham Clark this week?
3: So I want to preface this by saying there's a lot to be encouraged about when you look at Wyndham Clark's recent form. He's gained massively in six of the last seven starts with his irons, something that we hadn't seen from him throughout his career. And the results have followed with eight consecutive made cuts, each landing inside the top 50. All of that should be viewed as a tremendous positive for him in 2023, But I want to add that most of those results have come on the West Coast and featured Poa Greens. When we date it back to the end of 2022, we saw him lose about a half shot to the field per start in his trackable Bermuda performances with his putter. You know, that's not a lot, but it is noteworthy when the par five scoring possesses major red flags. And then the flat stick has seen him go from 40th to 101st when moving into fast Bermuda over a two-year baseline elsewhere. Look, guys, I'm not saying he necessarily misses the cut but Clark is one of those golfers who tends to excel when given a proper setting for him over anything else. You know, think poa grass and wide open fairways that allow him to use his distance without worrying about water coming into play on half the holes. I just think we start running into potential trouble when you take away two of his assets in putting and distance and then force him to try to beat you with accuracy and precision. We've seen that with him throughout his career when we look at no results better than 68th during his four lifetime trips to the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and Players' Championship. Uh, I kind of talked to Nick about this. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm overly bullish and aggressive on Adam Scott, but I do think it's a nice matchup to try to take on Wyndham Clark where the public seems to be pushing him in one direction. And my numbers, for whatever reason, still have him in the other way with it. And yeah, I understand the iron plays better and his long iron proximity should work fine here, but there's a lot of water, the fast Bermuda. I I think there's reasons for us to be able to take him on at a price that does seem conducive.
2: I think that makes a lot of sense and even though this is the second week of the Florida swing, last week the Honda Classic a lot of guys didn't play. So players whom you might want to fade after a hot West Coast swing, this might be the first this might be the best chance you get to do that and I like that angle on fading Wyndham Clark. Nick, how about your best bet? Yeah,
1: um really just the number grab for me on Victor Hovland, the ball striking numbers are are fantastic. Like you said, it travels everywhere. I love the par five scoring. That's something I valued a ton this week. I do like, uh, I'm not a big course history guy, but him finishing second last year when I still don't think he had his best stuff is very encouraging. And then what he does off the tee, I want long drivers, guys that are accurate, especially with the, you know, the water I think comes into play on nine or 10 holes here tons of bunkers. I think he can get up and down there. I know his short game struggles a bit, but with how elite of a ball striker he is, I don't think the wind should really mess with him a whole lot. And uh, yeah, just seven points of value on an outright ticket where my model said the top eight golfers took up 60% of the win equity. He happened to be one of those guys. So I will, uh, I'll take Victor Hoblin and kind of pray that it's just, you know, John Roms human this week.
2: <laughs> that seems like what you got to do in a, all these designated events. So far, we've had three of them. If you include the uh, opening tournament, the Sony, or excuse me, the um, Tournament of Champions over at Kapalua. And in those three events, you've got John Rahm winning twice and you've got Scotty Scheffler winning once. So hopefully the board opens up a little bit beyond the top three this week. For my best bet, I'm going to go with Hideki Matsuyama for 39th or better. And he's got the right end of the tee Times draw with the late, early on Thursday, then Friday. He's also. Got some pretty strong course history here. He's beaten this in five of eight attempts here at the Arnold Palmer. And he's a short game wizard. When guys are struggling to hit greens because it's Bay Hill, it's going to happen the whole time. But even more so in the wind, I think that short game is going to have an even more, it's going to have an even greater importance this week. And it's also a buy low spot for me on Hideki after he missed the cut on the number at the Genesis a few weeks ago. He did, he had an absolutely horrific putting performance and if you've backed Hideki before, probably not very surprising. But if the putter turns around for, for Hideki, this is a tournament that he can soar to the top of the leaderboard uh, with his elite iron play and that elite short game as well. Guys, let's I, go through your outright cards. Oh,
3: go ahead, Spencer. I was just going to say, I told Nick this off air, any time, and I, I think I've even said it on this show before, any time that you give Hideki Matsuyama a tournament where – you know, single digits, we'll call it here. And I don't know, I wouldn't guarantee that we're going to get the single digits, but as Roberto just said, there there's wind that's going to come into play. It's going to be pretty steady win throughout the entire week. So, you know, to me, somewhere around eight under par feels like the likely winning score that we're going to get. Anytime we get a venue like that, Hideki Matsuyama's win equity just goes soaring through the roof. And we don't necessarily need that here for a bet like this, but you think of fast courses and it's a different uh, grass type with the Masters, but That also gives you a fast surface. Like anytime that we get these fast surfaces to where he can kind of use that putting to an advantage to where like he has good three putt avoidance and maybe he's not making as many putts and he's going to be able to score in different ways than some of these other players. And he has that elite short game. I think 39th or better is a very intriguing way to back him this week. Yeah, I'm also going to be backing. Sorry, go ahead, Nick.
1: No, I just, I love that. But I think Hideki's is a really, uh, a really good play this week, especially if we're trying to go hunting for, for long shots that have, you know, significant win equity in a a great player pool. So uh, I'm in on Hideki for sure.
2: So I'm not, that's not going to be the only market that I'm backing Hideki in this week. We'll touch on that in a moment. Also, Spencer, the angle that you talked about with the tougher golf courses, I think if you look at players who play well on tough golf courses, that's something to consider this week. Another reason why I'm bullish on Will Zalatoris, but I'm still not sure how to play him with him being on the wrong side of the draw. Before we get into that, let's get into our course preview this week. Spencer, I'll start with you. What are you valuing most from a modeling standpoint this week?
3: Yeah, so Florida golf is such a different beast than we encountered during the West Coast swing. Uh, we get these fiery, fast Bermuda surfaces, tons of wind and water for players to traverse, and overall a much different feel than we became accustomed to when watching these wide-open POET tests that allow you to scramble yourself out of danger. We don't have to look any further than the 80 plus bunkers and, you know, nine to 10 holes that have water coming into play to realize errors can quickly compound and generate this unfair and often inconsistent nature of the penalty. I say that because a ball that trickles into the water will count the same as one that misses its target by 30 yards and goes into the water. Uh, There's this brutal three inch rough that can make stopping your second shot out of these lies challenging at times because of the dense nature of the grass. And then most approaches will lack apex and spin needed to hold these greens. I think all of that sounds fine from a structural standpoint, but Bay Hill is an awkward course that has been known to present unique dispersion of scoring throughout different iterations of the contest. There was a massive increase in strokes gain around the green in 2022, whereas heightened approach in 2021 and emphasize off the tee returns in 2020 seemed to be what held, if you're looking from a statistical perspective. Um, You know, with all that being said, that lack of statistical predictability makes this contest difficult for most golf pundits to try and run numbers for because of the yearly uncertainty. It doesn't mean we can't uniquely construct data points for our models, but it's one of those are events where a hybrid of the known versus the unknown should work when running numbers. I'm not going to go into this very deeply this week talking about everything, but... I just very quickly want to talk about the seven categories that I did run. So I started with weighted tee to green for 25%. I ran three different strokes gain totals that looked into wind production, how someone has performed on long and laborious courses, and then fast Bermuda. Uh, Weighted scoring was a big one to try and recalculate all 18 holes. And then I essentially remodeled two ball striking categories to mimic Bay Hill. The top of that model produced Rom Rory Scheffler. That's very standard. Uh, Xander in the fourth spot, Sungjae in the five spot. And then you got a really close range with Will Zalatoris, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau to round out those next few names. But uh, I think that's what you would expect when you talk about running a model, at least if you're running it from a correct perspective, but you know, you talked about this a second ago, Roberto, it's a really difficult tournament to bet from an outright perspective. We can talk about that in a second and how we think the best way of going about that is, but uh difficult week in that
1: regard
2: nick anything else that you're considering this week that spencer didn't touch on
1: no um i, I really talked about uh, i've I kind of built my model almost the exact same as his just a little maybe a, a little more emphasis on the par five scoring especially with this weather I, like all par fives are reachable here i want my guys that you know if the course is or this course is going to play tough we're predicting, you know, the winning score is somewhere to be like the 6 to 10 range. I really need birdies on those par fives.
3: Just just really quickly before we move on, because I just want to touch on what Nick just said there. So the weighted scoring for me takes par 3 recalculation, par 4 recalculation, and par 5 recalculation. When you look at what Scotty Scheffler did last year, and I and I believe this is what it is. I don't want to be quoted on this. Uh, I believe he was 11 under on the par fives last year, and we saw him win the tournament at about 5 under par. That kind of goes to what Nick's saying, that par fives are really important here. And that's what a big grand total of my weighted scoring is, is that par five birdie or better percentage. It's kind of a funky way of saying it because it does have par three and par four thrown into the mix there. But uh, it's a lot of weighted par five, that birdie or better percentage, that long iron proximity, a lot of those things that can find players that are going to be more inclined to score on those holes
2: more of a general question here relating to the par five scoring when you've got a a tournament or a course like this, where you've got long, tough par threes, I believe that the longest par threes on the PGA tour, all four of them are over 200 yards. Um, Sometimes that's not going to generate a big scoring distribution. Uh, I'm not saying this exactly for this week, but just in general, if you have some tougher holes where everybody's saying the same shot, a bailout, and then they're two putting or whatever, uh, depending on the green complex, of course. But if you have a greater dispersion of scores on the par fives, how do you guys go about weighing them? Or is there a reason why you go for birdie or better percentage versus just overall scoring? Or how do you go about that?
3: I went for birdie or better percentage just because, I mean, it's such a, it's a tournament that we look at that it's really difficult to score to begin with. So I want players that are going to make birdies in these situations. Like par is going to be negative. Like all the holes range between thirty three and a half percent to 50 something percent when we're looking at the par five birdie or better percentage there. And then really the way that I do my calculation is so I will take the historical dispersion between uh, the par threes, the par fours and the par fives, weigh them in together. But like one of the ways I'll run the par threes is I'll add bogey avoidance to the mix. I will look at more of those iron proximity ranges. As you said, Roberto, these are the longest on tour. They're, you know, 199 to 200 plus for every single hole that we're looking at this week. So I'm going to try to find that sort of a prototype of a player that's going to be able to find success in that area you know, the par fours all run differently. There are a couple of the shorter ones that you can make birdie on. I think those are important ones of like the sub 400 range, but then very quickly we run back into, we're going to need golfers on these longer holes that they're going to be able to avoid bogeys. I want good total drivers of the ball. I want that iron proximity. And then uh, the par fives are where we're going to need to have scorable opportunities. And we need that for two reasons. We need that to win the tournament. And we also need that to salvage scores for when you mess up in the other areas. Like, you can very quickly, Scotty Scheffler last year being the prime example of that, you can very quickly make up for all the bad that you're doing in other areas if you get hot on the par fives here. So I think it's important to try to find the birdie or better makers. I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, Roberto, you and I both like golfers like Zalatoris and Cantley this week. Those are two golfers that are better in the bar par five, birdie or better percentage than a lot of players in the world. I just don't know exactly how we can find a way to back them since. These numbers are really um, sucked dry at this point. It's tough.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Zalatoris and Cantley. And Zalatoris, someone whom I saw people betting at over 30 to 1 and now can't find him much higher than 20 to 1 in the market. With that being said, Spencer, who are you eyeing for the outright market among those odds available right now?
3: So, I mean, to be honest, I think we're mostly dart throwing at this point when most shops are shading exposure from being able to back anyone near the top in a profitable sense. Uh, Everyone 50 to one or less ranked in the top 30 of some iteration of my model. That kind of shows that pricing is stout across the board before we even start to condense the math into win percentages. Uh, It's one of those things where we didn't get a discount in any spot. I know that's the thing we seem to harp on on this show is. You have guys like Rom, Rory, Scheffler. They're all ten to one or less, or in that range at every single book, and we're not really getting any drift at any of these places. And that's what makes it so tough. Where everyone with top ten win equity is placing sub thirty to one for the week. Now, I did decide to bet two names here because they were the only two golfers that experienced any long term advantage with my math when I ran this on the board. Um, I mean, to go back to this point, I think Zalatoris or Cantley would have been the two if I could have found them at anything 20 to 5 to 1 or higher. I would have placed those wagers. I unfortunately missed the window there of going about that. But, you know, I think if we're trying to just name names here that I think could be doable or bettable at some point during the event, I, I think we're looking at like the Rory's, the um, Cantley, Xander, Finau, any one of those numbers, if they can drift far enough on Thursday night or Friday night, there might be an opportunity there, but I started with Sungjae M at 41 to one. Unfortunately, that number has dropped into the thirties, you know, before we could record this show, but my numbers always value Sungjae higher than consensus. I had proper at 28 to one. So he was really my big difference there. When looking at that, the course history stout, the Florida background of production is top-notch. And he graded fourth in my model when running this from a weighted T to green perspective, that was five slots higher than his baseline total. And then you could argue that this is probably better for other markets, like a placement wage, or maybe a top 40, a top 20, something like that. Um, I'm kind of getting sick of betting these 101 or greater shots in these designated events and not winning, you know, golf's in a really weird spot right now since 15 plus tournaments are producing major quality fields and kind of changing the game for guys like Aaron wise, but I'm going to trust my early 2023 model that believed he was the top 10 player this season. If he reached his potential, I got him at 125 to one. That number's unfortunately gone the other direction also, but you know, it's one of those things where I had a proper at 60 to one. So anything that you can find out there is still going to be in uh, profitable from a long-term sense. If you were to believe my math here, but it's kind of what I just stated a second ago, probably smarter to try to bet this, you know, 51st or better on bet 365, a top 40 in the plus whatever range, a a top 20 in the plus 300 range. Like, There's a lot of ways to go about it to where you can still get an edge. I'm just going to trust the math at the end of the day and still bet wise to win this tournament because I seem to believe he's better than consensus is at this point.
2: I like you're sticking to your guns. uh, Even though last week, Sung J odds on favorite to win the tournament at sub 10 to one. Now, you've got him at much longer odds and a great field, but He's played well at this course before, so we'll see how he does this week. We know that he's a fairway finder, and that's going to be key this week with the length uh, or with the challenges off the tee. Nick, what's your outright card look like this week? And if you're going to try to live bet anyone, what's your strategy going to be?
1: Victor Hovland um, is really the only player I punch right now. Spencer's got me on the fence with Aaron Wise. I feel like he talks me into Aaron Wise some way or another every single week. Uh, I love a deckie. (laughs) Um, can really only, I guess the best number in the market right now is 55 to one. I'm not sure I'm going to do that, but a guy I really like a ton, mainly uh, Spencer's weighted T degree green, but the par five scoring that numbers and anticipated numbers that I push through, I want Patrick Hanley, but I need, you know, higher than 25 to one. So maybe he gets out of the gate slow. Um, I believe he's on the, I don't even know if the right side of the draw is a thing if the winds get that bad I think they'll stop play so I'm not too concerned about that but I think Cantlay if I could get 25 to one or higher um, I'd love a 30 to one I think I'd jump on that right away and then Tony Finau same thing if I can get 30 to one on Finau I think I'd go uh, I'd go for him right now I like him a bunch this week. Um, I was close to Keith Mitchell at 55 to one, but I just can't do it in this field. When Hideki Matsuyama is 55 to one, too, it just seems like Keith Mitchell's not the same guy that Hideki is. I know Hideki's form's not fantastic right now, but Finau and uh, Patrick Cantlay are the guys I'm most interested in getting slow off the gate and seeing if the numbers change.
3: Just really quickly to add to that, to what Nick was just talking about there. So Cantley is third in my model for weighted T to green uh that's a pretty big improvement over his baseline of what i have and then he's number 1 in par 5 birdie or better percentage so you know the course history and the lack of that is something that we can talk about but he is a pristine golfer that should find a way to like this course like his skill set sets up really nicely here i don't love where the number has moved to like it's kind of what you were saying roberto we saw this with Zalatoris also. There's 30s, 35 to ones in the market, and that got wiped away. The Cantley number got moved in seconds also to now we're kind of in that same range that we have with Zalatoris. So I uh, it's one of those things that's like when you miss the number, I don't want to force action on, on a bad price there. But if you were to tell me right now to pick, let's just say two players here that are not named John Rom that are going to win this tournament, probably go with the Zalatoris Cantley route. And, you know, that's the unfortunate thing is I just don't really know how to get exposure to them at this moment.
1: Do we have any love for one guy that was on the bubble for me at long shot? And it's a guy I always play. Siwoo Kim, 130.
3: I like Siwoo Kim a lot as a first round leader. Um, we've seen him be able to win, you know, at the time it wasn't called a designated event, but, you know, he won the players championship. That's what the best players in the world. If you're telling me that somebody can win kind of from off the pace, like to me, it's a Siwoo Kim and Aaron Wise, or you go more into that range of like a Keegan Bradley. Like those are more of the names that have a legitimate chance. Probably not going to get there on Siwoo, but when I ran this for upside, my model really liked
1: him this week. I think he's, he's the only, you know, longer than a hundred to one guy that I have in edge on right now. That's not named Russell Henley, but we've already talked about my issues with loving Henley too much. It's just like an added, you know, 15 points of betting value just because my model is a Russell Henley model.
3: I, I have an edge on two players that are over a hundred to one. Aaron wise would be the biggest edge I have. And then the second biggest edge would have been Si Woo Kim.
2: Nice. I like that. I like Kim. I love the driving accuracy, the approach play, the also combination with elite short game. And one of the few tournaments that we've seen this so far this year, where you have to hit the fairways was over there at the Sony open in Hawaii. And he won that tournament. So green green there too as well, correct? And he's won the players as well, yeah. So That's right. Um, he's shown that he can play well on these Florida tracks, and at over hundred to one, I have to think there's value. He's also just twenty-seven years old, so he's still just getting into his prime. We don't really know how great Siwoo Kim can be yet. So I like that play. I like that number play. I actually might
1: add that one to my card. Uh, so we've already got a new play. play. Let's go for it. Pod play. <laughs> Let's go. All right. That's it for me though. It's just. Hovland, keep an eye on Phenom Cantlay. And then if we're going to pod play, yeah, I'm going to type it right now. All right. 130. Let's do it. Let's lock it in. So I'm also going with more long
2: shots. If you want to call them long shots, I got them all between um, 60 and 70 to one. First Hideki Matsuyama. He's out there at 66 to one at one book everywhere else. I think he's 55. So Nick, you can go find that one if you haven't already placed it. Uh, We've already talked about him, so I won't mention. I won't uh dive farther in there. I also like Shane Lowry, the guy who's playing really solid golf. He's got top 15 finishes in each of his last two starts at the Genesis and then last week over down at the Honda. The big if for him is the putter. He's been poor with the putter and he's 0 for 4 as far as making cuts at this tournament in his career. All because he putted very poorly, all four times losing strokes and some much more than others. But we know he's got a great approach he's got a great approach play especially over 200 yards. He's also really solid around the green uh, with his short irons, and then he's solid enough off the tee that he can compete with these guys. We've already seen him win an Open Championship in recent years as well. I think he's got enough uh, enough form that he can overcome the poor course history. And at sixty five to one, I think it's worth a dart throw. Additionally, I'm going with Ricky Fowler, seventy to one uh, at. One or two books, most of the of the market has him down at 55 to one, even though he opened up closer to 80 in most places. He's got a really high floor. He's solid all around. And Spencer, you mentioned how year to year it depends on some of the weather conditions and how the course is playing as far as what metrics matter the most, but Ricky Fowler's solid on everything. He's on the right side of the draw as well. And he's got really nice course history where he's played consistently at a high level at this course where he's made 10 of 11 cuts, top priority or better in seven of 11 tries. I've also got him in the placement market. So we'll get to that in a few moments, but I like Ricky Fowler in all markets this week. And he's just been on fire where he's gained strokes in all seven tracked events this year on the PGA tour on approach. So his form is awesome. If there's a chance for Ricky Fowler to win, I think it's going to happen in Florida and I'll strike now while the iron is hot and before that number maybe even continues to dive farther down after another solid showing.
3: I'll say this, Roberto. Um, I don't know where I stand on Ricky Fowler, but the sharp money that is entering the market seems to be fully on board with what you just said there. I, I have seen him become a massive favorite throughout the space against anybody who's kind of priced around him in a head-to-head matchup there. Uh, that's noteworthy enough to at least look into, and I agree, like, if he's going to win again, Florida feels like a really nice spot for him because of all those ball-striking intangibles that he can bring to the table.
0: Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. Thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash blue wire. That's harrys.com slash blue wire for a $3 trial set.
2: I think it's enough. There's enough water and sand to somewhat stymie and frustrate some of the better players on tour, bring a little bit more variance into play, especially if there's a significant win this week. And like we said, he's on the right side of the draw. So already step one in place for him potentially. Guys, let's look at matchups this week. Spencer, do you have any other plays that you have found with value in addition to your best bet? And in addition to that, or I'll, we'll just go with that for now. Second question later.
3: Uh, no. I mean, it's a really weird board. Like, it, it's, it's a lot of star versus stars, which I would rather avoid. I don't really want to go down. Even if I have a little bit of value, there's just too much volatility there. Uh, there's a lot of safety versus safety. And there's a lot of that, like, boom bust versus boom bust with it. So... No, I guess, like, just to give a shorter answer there, there's not a ton of value for me. I mean, I don't mind if we want to run through some matchups and talk about some stuff that maybe we can find a play on here that has a marginal edge, but I usually want about 20 points of value to recommend it. And, I mean, I even pushed it a little bit to go the Adam Scott route. So, no, I I guess, unfortunately not.
2: Nick, any first thoughts on matchups before we dive a little bit more into some potential – ones to that would would intrigue us
1: i forced one because i have a problem i only had 12 <laughs> points of value on it um i had russ henley and harman at minus 110 aside you can get henley at plus 102 in that matchup over Harmon. but like spencer said that is uh scrub against scrub pretty much right now so the boom bust star
3: um,
1: against start yeah <laughs> star against star. no I, I do not like brian Harmon. <laughs> But that is me taking one of my favorite golfers in Russ Henley against a golfer I cannot stand in Brian Harmon. So um, again, only 12 points of value there. So I took it and just because my heart said to do it. So that's for Gen Nation out here. Um, but I, I do not think there's a good mathematical edge on that play at all. They could both miss a cut and both be terrible. So a little sketchy, but that is the only matchup I have on the board right now. All right. So you got Henley in
2: the Battle of the Bulldogs. I you go. am intrigued by some of the matchups that involve one player who is on the right side of the draw going late early with the wins expected to be the highest um, in the 20-mile-per-hour range consistently with gusts up to 40 on that Friday afternoon. However, there are some other players that have been matched up on the other side of the draw that go early late. And so some of them that I haven't placed any bets on yet, but that I'm intrigued about include... John Rahm over Scotty Scheffler at minus 138. I don't love laying Juice. But another way if you wanted to fade Scheffler is to go with Max Homa over him at plus 124. Guys, if you had to fade Scheffler,
1: which Ooh. probably is a great idea, yeah. <laughs> which route would you go? Um, I mean, I, I, I'll answer real quick. I would take Homa and just like, if you're fading Scheffler, you're going to need him to pretty much implode in general, right? So you're assuming he just does not play well at all so i would take the plus money on homa i, I don't, don't like him either
3: i don't love this answer i'm going to give i guess i would go the opposite route and lay the juice with Rom.
2: man that sounded painful spencer yeah.
3: i don't love <laughs> it like it's, it's really star good start yeah that's yeah. the problem with it and it's even like i understand and i kind of like generally agree with nick's answer that he just gave if it's close i'd rather take the plus money with it but like my model is every single time no matter how i run it just keeps pushing rom further and further and further out against all these opponents and really like the one that got closer than everybody else would be rory mcelroy like it still liked rom better than rory but rory was the one that was the closest and then it was kind of like both of those two guys had an edge over scotty that was substantial enough to where i'm not gonna bet it in the star versus star battle there, but Look, I I think it's intriguing if we're saying one guy, quote unquote, has the right side of the draw and the other one doesn't. And I think Nick brought up a good point that they could stop it. There could Mm be anything could come in on that back end to where you think you have an advantage and then it doesn't come into play. But if you're telling me that there is an advantage, which right now at this very moment, there is an advantage for that uh, late early split on Thursday and Friday. Rom is probably the most likely winner of this tournament for a reason, and his safety is just kind of unmatched at this point.
2: I was thinking about looking at potential just second-round matchups, not a tournament matchup, just to try to limit it to the players who are on the right or wrong side of the waves. I was thinking about fading Victor Hovland. I don't love the idea for the whole tournament, but he's playing in the same group with Will Zalatoris, a player that I am generally higher on than the market. And we'll sell a tourist quietly, even though, yes, you'll see every week a viral video of his putter resized just where he looks like he's signing his uh, last name in cursive on his backswing. <laughs> and it's just awful from somewhere between four and eight feet. His putting stroke outside of 10 feet is one of the best on the PGA tour. Yeah. And he has consistently improved his stroke to gain putting numbers since he got onto the tour every single year. I think that's underrated, even though, those short putts can be pretty ugly at times and Victor Hovland as everybody knows struggles around the greens and if the wind's really picking up I'd rather have Zala trying to get up and down from 8 to 15 feet all day and I give him a slight ball striking edge as well which might be somewhat controversial but I like the distance that he offers off the tee as well both these guys really straight off the tee elite iron strikers how are you going to be attacking them as two of the players who might be more susceptible to the win this week,
3: I'll say this from what I've noticed about Victor Hovland historically when running numbers. And I've seen it numerous times. Anytime that the wind picks up, and let's say it's like 10 miles per hour plus, his numbers do seem to go south in a lot of those areas. And I even see it with my model. Like, if we're looking at the players that are, I mean, let's call it sub 40 ish to one, I think that's probably a fair range. He is the only golfer. Um, yeah, he's the only golfer that I have that ranks outside the top 30 in strokes gain total and wind. We know that the short game can run into problems. There are issues that can come into play if he's not hitting as many greens in regulation. I do tend to like both Hovland and Zalatoris this week, but I, I think that if we're talking about heavy wins and that does come to fruition, Hovland probably gets affected more than a lot of players of that upper echelon group of names that we would talk about.
2: Nick, any thoughts on us potentially fading your guy, Hovland? I'm okay if it's just for a
1: day. If it's a (laughs) a round one matchup, sure. But um, on the event, no, I usually don't ever play Hovland, too. So uh, I'm trusting him. I think this is a good spot for him.
3: My model never likes Hovland either, and I had him in the top 10 this week. So that kind of tells me everything that I wanted to know about what I want to do. But, you know, there's nothing to say that Hovland can't get off to a fast start on thursday and then all of a sudden on friday the wind takes them back a little bit and you look at a situation where zalatoris beats them by a couple shots like i think that that's a a unique way to try to approach it but to me it's still like star versus star with one player possessing probably more volatility in hovland than i would care to see on a battle so like if that's a reason to oppose him, that makes sense to me
2: in general i'm going to be looking for those friday matchups with one player who's got an advantage over the other in strokes gained around the green. If all things else are equal, especially if I think there might be an edge in that one player with the advanced around the green games uh, play, like I do with with Will Zalatoris, just because I think he's incredible. And with the form picking up after the Genesis, I think he's got a chance to win very, very soon on the PGA tour Uh, guys. Let's go to our placement market bets. What do you guys have this week? And do we have a hammer kid play in the top 40 market? We'll start with you, Nick.
1: (laughs) No hammer kid play. Ah. I'm going to say his name again. Russell Henley, top 40, uh, plus 150. I had it at plus 125. So again, I'm kind of breaking my own rules of getting 30 points value because I feel like I have to force the action here. And then Tom Hoagie at plus 140. Those are the only two placements. I may make a move on Siwu, but I need that number to to climb a little bit. I'm just not sure it's going to do that now with tee times and everything being out. I like
2: Hoagie. I think he fits the Florida golf courses pretty well. And I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I bet him to win the players at over at up, I think, 100 to one a few Oops. weeks ago. So hopefully he gets informed this week so he can pay us off next week as well. Spencer, what about you? Any placement market bets?
3: Yeah, so I'm going to double down on the Russell Henley and Tom Hoagie calls at plus one hundred and fifty and plus one hundred and forty. All right. Um, you know, I probably forced the Henley side of the equation a little bit. Uh, I no such have, thing. Well, talking <laughs> to you, I think you convinced me of that every single week. But <laughs> I, I don't know. I like plus one hundred and fifty is a fine number. I had it not as far out as Nick did. Like plus one hundred and thirty-seven was about what was proper for me. So I'm looking at about a thirteen-point edge there. I think Tom Hoagie is very interesting. And I like that that call that you just mentioned about next week, Roberto. I, like, I always think in general, Florida golf is about iron play and GIR percentage. Uh, mm-hmm. Quality ball strikers can quickly rise up the leaderboard if they make fewer second shot errors. Uh, he ranks second in this field regarding weight of proximity. And third, when we only look at shots from 150 plus yards. I took Aaron Wise at plus 125 to come top 40. Uh, that just goes back to me thinking that. He is better than, at least my model believes he's better than general consensus thinks there. And then I decided to end my card with a little deeper of a shot in Alex Smalley at plus 200. It's a very similar answer that I just gave for wise when I noticed these massive upside numbers for Smalley this year from a data perspective before 2023 started. Uh, The finishes haven't exactly been what we wanted recently, but the profile has remained extremely clean for a golfer that's being projected outside what my model belief should be is going right. Like it doesn't mean it's right, but if we're looking at placement markets, I had a more in the range of Siwoo Kim, Seamus Power, Billy Horschel. I mean, those are three golfers that you could say have more upside than he does. Like, I think certainly when we look at Siwoo Kim and I maybe just Siwoo Kim there, like he definitely has more upside, but I think safety matters for a top 40 bet and my model seems to kind of grade him as a top 40 player in all iterations of how I ran it. So um, I thought more in that, like, plus, I mean, those guys are more in like the plus 100 minus range, but I thought more in like that plus 120 plus 130 range was what was proper for Smalley. So that was substantially probably the biggest edge that I could find on the board. It doesn't mean that it ends up winning. I think Smalley has some downside to him also because, I mean, this is a really strong field. But I'm kind of just going back to this equation of I'm going to trust my numbers in these spots on guys like Wise and Smalley and hope that I can beat the general consensus in these spots here.
2: I like the Smalley play. I actually might join you guys, or I might join you, Spencer. He's only got one appearance here at the API, and he finished T38 last year. In his last seven tracked events on tour, he's gained strokes on approach six times. So he's got that high floor that we like that we can at least get to the weekend and then have a chance to get there. And then additionally on some of the tough golf courses on the PGA Tour this year, he's had some success. Although it was a weaker field over there in the fall swing at the Cadence Bank Houston Open, he did finish in a tie for fourth there. And then at the Farmers, he he finished T37, also a weaker field, but he's shown that he can compete on these big, tough golf courses. And I think that's a nice sign this weekend for just top 40 at plus 220. I think that's Pretty solid value.
3: Give me a 32nd place finish. That's all I want from him.
2: (laughs) I like it. I'm also going to go with a plus 220 play, and that's on a guy you might have heard of. His name is Hideki Matsuyama uh, for top 20. So I'm going there. It's one of my smaller plays of the week. But I'm going heavy in the player market bets this week on Bet365. And just a reminder that... The Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365 exclusive to get Bet365's exclusive sign up offer in New Jersey and Colorado. Bet one dollar on any game, get two hundred dollars free. So I'm going to go into the placement market bets that I have because I've got four. Uh, I've alluded to a couple of them. I've got Hideki Matsuyama. It opened at forty two or better. I have got it now at thirty nine or better. And for reasons we've discussed, I think he's got a high floor, and I like that one. And that's part of my escalator on him. I've also got Ricky Fowler, 37 or better. We mentioned why I like Ricky Fowler as well, so we will keep it moving. I'm also going with Tom Kim, 38 or better. So really um, tight proximity on all these guys. And if you don't have access to bet 365, if you want to do a top 40 or a top 30 bet, I think those markets all have value as well. But, of course, be sure to shop around. Uh, Tom Kim is someone that I'm buying low on this week. His last two starts came at the WM and the Genesis, both designated events, bigger golf courses. And this week at Bay Hill, the last five tournaments here uh, for the API have valued driving accuracy slightly more than driving distance. And the opposite was the case at WM and Genesis, where driving distance was slightly more valuable. Of course, both are valuable, but it's a little bit more of in his advantage because he's a very short knocker, but a very accurate driver off the tee. He's also got the right wave with going late early. And while he doesn't have any course history here because he is uh, in his first full year on the PGA tour, I think this course will suit him because he's got strong play all around. He's been 38th or better in six of his nine starts this season and top 50 in eight of nine. So he's got a really high floor. The only time he missed a cut was at the Sony where he was actually the odds-on favorite to win that week, but he got the kiss of death by me betting on him outright. So he had no chance. So he was absolutely doomed. He finished third worst in the field that week in putting. So an absolute outlier, terrible putting performance is the only way he's missed a cut so far on the PJ Tour this season. So I think he's got a really high floor. He's got the right wave. And because he's so accurate off the tee, he's only been below average in driving accuracy once out of his nine starts this year. And that was by 1%. So he is an elite fairway finder. And we know he's shorter, but his iron iron numbers are insane right now still. We know they're going to regress because it's not possible to stay as precise as he's been. But I think Tom Kim is someone who might have gotten forgotten after the last couple of designated events. And although I'm not going to play him out right this week, I think he's got a really high floor. And I'll take him at 38 or better at minus 120. Finally, I got one fade, and I'm picking on the old guy, Luke Donald. He opened at 70th or worse at minus 120. Now he's 73rd or worse, and he's got the wrong end of the tee times where he's going early late. He's got miscuts in three or four starts here, and for someone who's played on the PJ Tour as long as he has, I think it says something that he's avoided this tournament for the most part, but we know he is the European Ryder Cup captain this year, and he wants to see the best players play, and he wants to be there. So this week he's on a sponsor's exemption, so he wouldn't have otherwise qualified if it wasn't for the sponsors for this tournament. But he's out there trying to get a look at a bunch of the other European players, and with all the lived affections, he's got some scouting to do. So he's there. I don't think he's there to win this tournament. And after finishing in a tie for 40th at the Genesis, where he was very impressive a couple weeks ago, I think this is a relatively sell-high spot for him. He's just not the 70th or 73rd best player in the field this week i think he's gonna miss the cut and especially with the wind going against them for a guy who hits it as short as he does i don't see way i don't see how luke donald makes the cut this week and i'll take him
3: 73rd or worse gladly so there's 120 players in this field Mm -hmm. i have him 117th in my model
2: (laughs) yeah so i ran a model today um still working on it's very much a work in progress but it had him dead last among all the players with data which wasn't enough but i think it was about 100 players that had data on of the 120 and it was he was dead last so i don't know how he's 73rd or worse i thought this should have been around 85th or 90th but i love that bet that was yeah the best bet.
3: yeah i i think that that's one of those spots where it's probably name recognition above anything else and We've at least seen him recently, like he came 40th at the Genesis. That's maybe what some people are holding Mm -hmm. on to. But yeah, I mean, I would tend to agree that I think he's going to miss the cut. And if we think he's going to miss the cut, then we're already off to a really good start there.
2: Nick, any thoughts on those I just mentioned or any of your own uh, placement market bets uh, on the finishing position on bet 365?
1: I love that down play. I was punching that in
2: as we spoke. Awesome. Another in-pod play. you love to see it. Two of them. I am also going to
3: add that one. All right, all
2: three of us. Okay, cool. No, Um, that's uh, that's all I got. Awesome. Um, Any other exotic plays or bets that we haven't discussed that you're on before we get into some rapid fire?
3: Not for me. What about you, Nick?
2: Nothing. All right, I want to get into some rapid fire in a moment, but I got one question. There's one player I'm confused about this week whom we surprisingly haven't mentioned and that is matt fitzpatrick so he's a guy for references t times are early thursday 7:38 and late friday at 12:28 p.m. he's coming off a neck injury and we know he was one of the favorites over there at the ATT t pebble beach pro am didn't play very well and surprisingly missed the cut however here he's got elite tournament history he finished in the top 10 each of the last 4 years and however his form is poor. We mentioned he's got a neck injury. We're not sure how healthy he is. He's lost strokes gained on approach in three straight events, and that hasn't happened for him in over in three years since 2020. He's a player who we know is meticulous, and when he's in full form, he doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. We know he plays hard golf courses well because last year around this time, he was first in strokes gained on the PGA Tour, and he also won the U.S. Open, which is known as the toughest golf course or the golf test on tour every single year. I, looking at the approach numbers, wanted to fade him, but I faded with a couple weeks ago after he wasn't healthy and he got healthy on me and that was over after about 10 holes after he was like three under par. So I'm not going to fade Fitzpatrick yet today, but I wanted to know how you guys are looking at betting him. And if you see something this week, what would it be that makes you add him to your live card or consider betting him at open next week for the players?
3: So... I do think he's somebody that I would keep an eye on when it comes to potentially adding him live. And we would need to see something. Maybe this is a Friday night answer. Like after we get through the first two rounds and figure out where he is on this leaderboard and and you might get like a bloated number because of that, but uh, he's eighth in my model from a weighted T to green sense. Like that means a lot to me. That's nine spots above his baseline at any course. I, I do think he's a challenging person to try to figure out though, because of the injury concerns. Like there's obviously a lot of different markets out there to try to, to give an answer to on that. Now, I think if we're talking safety, which would be like, you know, a head to head bet, or, I mean, he's going to be too low for a top 40 for me to want to back up, but anything like that I would be out on just cause I don't know what to expect. But I think if I start shooting things up the, the board a little bit, whether that be an outright during the event or, you know, if you want to take a flyer shot on him as a top 10, like that would be more of the way that I'm looking to back him. But it's like those low exposure unit bets to where I can take a shot on a golfer that I think has top, 50 win, top 15 win equity in this tournament uh, and maybe try to find a number that way since he is being overlooked in some regards. But I mean, he's not a player yet that I have any exposure to in that sense. It's just kind of one of those golfers where He increases for win equity when I run it that way. And he decreases for safety when I add in the injury concerns and uh, the current form that you mentioned and the proximity play, like all that matters and would worry me a little bit on the back end there.
1: As much as I hate the market, I think I'm okay. If we can get him. I think I saw 40 to one earlier for a first round leader. I think I'm okay with that. See if it comes out firing. I think the Thursday earlier t times is, is the best set of t times for the whole tournament. Obviously, we don't love it as much pre um like I, I guess pre-cut because the Friday afternoon, but I think Thursday morning's a lot calmer. and if he is healthy, Roberto, I think you you made a great point on obviously the course history is fantastic, probably second to nobody at this event. and with how lethal he is off the team, we know the short game is usually the best part of his game. I, i'm I'm in for that for sure.
3: I think first round leader is another really good market to try to back him in,
1: yeah. I mean, already agree numbers you mid 30s and then i saw 42 to 1 i think for first round leader and he's got the calm weather calm quote unquote for thursday morning compared to the afternoon i'm, I'm i'll go with that on fitzpatrick
2: i like that angle and additionally if we see him gain strokes on approach and ideally do poorly everywhere else uh, i think that's the resume that's the recipe for potentially getting a better number for him on monday at the players but also knowing that his neck is healthy enough that he can gain strokes on approach so the rest of his game will be great and we know that at TPC sawgrass there's nowhere to hide so you got to be in good form i think that could be a good way to play this weekend and if he shows good form on thursday might be interesting to back him on friday just because he's a player who i think will have success in the wind and we know international players have played really well at this tournament before the last two years i think five in a row won it before uh, so I like i like Fitzpatrick but we'll see how his form looks especially on approach where he's lost strokes gained on three straight events guys it's that time of the podcast what are we doing with Jason Day
3: uh Nick and I have gone back and forth on this when having conversations (laughs) um I think we play him I I don't have a reason to want to fade him so I guess the answer has to be play right (laughs) I guess so
2: we know he's, so he's all the way down sweet. at 25 to one at some places this week. So Unreal. I'll ask this question. Do we think Jason Day suits uh, his game suits this course better at Bay Hill or next week at TPC Sawgrass?
3: Well, I mean, he's he can win both of them. We know that. Like we've seen that before from him. So I would be inclined to think next week would be the better fit for him. And I only say that because I do have negative trajectory when I run this tournament for upside with him. Like that's kind of why I'm hesitant to give an answer. I don't know if I truly believe he's going to win this event, but like in the same breath of that comment, I think he's good for a top 20 finish. And maybe that's just what the answer ends up coming here is he's a better top 20 or a top 10 bet than anything else. But um, if we're looking for actually winning, I would probably say next week.
1: I would second that. I think just his elite accuracy off the tee and the distance off the tee is, is probably, and lack of iron play being as important, I think uh, Sawgrass is probably the move. I'll make it three. I think that's also the right way to play him. The number with him being at
2: 25-1 to 1 alongside Cantley and Tony Finau <laughs> is kind of shocking this week after what we've seen from when we started the show in September all the way to now.
1: That's what I was going to say. If our fall self could hear us now, <laughs> uh, we'd be, we'd be super proud. Well, it's, we wanted him to win. The, How did his number get this low without a win? The,
3: the, the full me was touting Jason day every single week. And then all of a sudden he became good. And, and I don't want to back him at these prices anymore. So now I'm like out all of a sudden, but it, it's just, a, it's just, I think we've all said it. I mean, like, we don't even need to make a joke about it. It's like, it's really difficult when he's priced the same as a Finau or a Cantley or, you know, Zalatoris at some point of this week, obviously the Zalatoris number has moved a little bit now, but the win equity is just not the same, unfortunately, um, at least for this event. There, there's going to be contests where I think he probably exudes some of that upside that we're looking for. And, and maybe Sawgrass is the answer for that.
2: All right. We've gotten into our prop- we've gotten through our propaganda segment of the show with Jason Day. <laughs> we're not even going to touch Web Simpson today. Um, Thank you. But let's get into some rapid fire before we head out of here. I'll give you guys two names. You give me... One word answer on who you'd rather have to win the tournament this week. We'll start with Will Zal Torres versus, or sorry, we'll start with Colin Morikawa versus Max Homa. Oh.
3: I would, I would rather have Morikawa.
2: Nick. Colin. Oh. Tony Finau or Patrick Cantley.
3: See, Cantlay. I, think the, I think these two guys are very close. I, I'm going to say Cantley also.
2: Justin Thomas or Xander Shoffley.
3: I think we've proven on every single show of me wanting to back Xander that I'm a Xander guy. So I'll say Xander.
1: I'm gonna go JT here. I think the weather and the sloppiness helps him out a lot here.
2: Cameron Young, the Demon Deacon, or Matt Fitzpatrick, the brother of a Demon Deacon?
3: I like Fitzpatrick in this spot. Like this is one of those situations where Fitzpatrick, I, by the way, I'm terrible at one word answers if we haven't figured this out right now. But <laughs> yeah. uh, Fitzpatrick has upside in my model with I, with, with the way I ran it. Uh, Cameron Young moves the other way with it. But I mean, there are two players that are like top 12 win equity guys for me. Fitz. Look how much better you are than I am. Just simple.
1: <laughs> I, I play the game by the rules, but you know, it is what it is. Jordan Spieth or J M. Sung J. Sung J.
2: have got a feeling that Jordan Spieth is going to pop up one of these weeks with nobody suspecting it things get weird in florida jordan speed is going to have his moment i'm not sure when I,
3: I don't it. disagree with that i just could love be now. Sanjay this week
1: could be now i mean he's <laughs> he's someone that is going to scramble very well i mean he's not going to hit many fairways and i think that hurts Matt sawgrass but here with the weather and his ability to scramble i think he'll be good Sahet he needs to tigala find the putter he needs to find the putter in a big way sahit tigala or keith mitchell
3: I think Mitchell is a top 20 golfer. I'll say Mitchell. Uh,
1: Give me, give me sahith, but real quick on Jordy. Mm -hmm. He did play the only time he gained strokes putting um, outside of century too, but uh, Sony opened in Hawaii, Hawaii, um, butchered that one. Bermuda greens. And he's lost strokes putting every single event since now he's getting back to Bermuda. Let's go Jordy.
2: Very, very nice note there. I think that's very important. Uh, Especially Texas guy grew up on, these Bermuda grass greens. We know he's hot and cold. Could be hot right now. Chris Kirk, last week's winner, or Tommy Fleetwood?
1: That's easy. Ooh. I, I don't striking think... Jesus for me. Always Tommy <laughs> Fleetwood.
3: I'm gonna say Kirk. Oh.
1: They Mary both Woodland? have
3: negative. See, this is why I give answers though, because like <laughs> I can't like strokes, strokes
1: gained hair. Tommy Fleetwood. Next question.
3: They both have negative trajectory for upside, so like technically, my model doesn't think either one's going to win, and, and it's very hard for me to believe that Kirk's going to win in back-to-back weeks. But uh, Kirk's numbers are still better.
1: Are, is the game who's going to win or who's going to finish better? Win. Oh, okay. I've been answering these. Who's going to finish better? All right. Oh. sorry, Spencer. I got. I don't play the game by the rules. Yeah, um, I take that back. <laughs>
2: Two guys growing up I thought were kind of the same person. Justin Rose or Adam Scott?
3: I will say Adam Scott. I, I know Nick has a different opinion on Scott than I do this week, and um, I, I, I like Scott a little bit, though.
1: Can I go neither and fade the old guys? <laughs> sure.
2: Yeah, I'm going to fade both. All right, last one, guys. Gary Woodland or Keegan Bradley? Oh. <sighs>
3: the answer for me is keegan i would love to have an honorary web mention though like web versus whoever you would like to pick at the bottom of the barrel here
2: all right web simpson or kevin kisner
3: oh god well you found somebody that i like web simpson there we go successful (laughs) show for us this week
1: i'm I'm gonna go uh option c will gordon down at the bottom oh no we gotta end the show here he <laughs> hurt. I know he hurt us. Uh, he just was it. he went in the water in 17 to ruin the top 40 is so, painful, but I'm going back to Will Gordon. I like him.
3: I'll say Charlie Hoffman is another name to consider down there. Oh, this- I don't know in what capacity, maybe not to win the tournament, but in some capacity, Charlie Hoffman has been good here.
2: We know Charlie Hoffman has popped up as a horse for a course. Of course, he's going to have the first round lead at the masters again in a month, just like he does every week <laughs> or every year. Um, Interesting number, uh, 40,000 to one this week, or plus uh, 40,000 this week. So 4,000 4, to one this week, uh, fat odds for the Seagull. We got our Web Simpson mention in, so that's going to do it for us here uh, this week. You've been listening to the Links and Locks, Arnold Palmer Invitational Tournament Preview. This is the Action Network's Golf Betting Podcast presented by Bet365. For more great golf content from our Action Network and Golf Bet team, check out the Best Bets episode of Links and Locks from earlier this week where Golf Bets Bets Ben Everill and the Action Network's Jason Sobel quickly run through their top 18 plays for this week's tournament. Be sure to check out ActionNetwork.com and the Action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. We'll have our Best Bets posted very shortly. Spencer's got articles coming later this week. I've got a Long Shots article where I'm going to be talking up Ricky Fowler and Hideki Matsuyama coming as well. Jason Sobel, Matt Vincenzi, uh, a few of the other guys, uh, among a few of the other guys who also have their picks already out there for you to check out. Thanks again for tuning in this week. You can find Nick at Sticks Picks on Twitter. You can also find Spencer at T-Off Sports. You can find me at RobertoA213. Nick, where else can the people find your content this week before the players next week?
1: It'll be on, on Windaily sports and then at better golf pod on Twitter. Awesome. How about you, Spencer?
3: Yeah. So you can find all the work that I put out for Rotoballer. baller. Um, I run this through from top to bottom in all markets that you're looking for. And then uh, all those numbers that I ran through, you can find my model over at Rotoballer. baller. Uh, I hope you check it out. If you haven't already, it's the tool that I live and die by when making these picks and it's something I'm really proud of. So if you're not doing so already, check out my, uh, wizard model that i have over there
2: it's a great way to familiarize yourself and play with the weights yourself make your own derivative of spencer's model if you're not already into making your own models and that gives you a leg up when you can find some of these guys that this week have gone down to 20 to 1 when they open at 35 to 1 uh, on mondays and you know what you're looking for so always good to have your own projections and it's a valuable resource that you can check out there at rotor Baller. so with that We'll say thanks to everyone for tuning in and listening and making it all the way through our podcast today. i um, also like to thank everyone who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers Noah, Sophia, and Matt. And with that, we'll say thanks for tuning in, and here's to hoping you hit the green this week.
0: Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly.